welcome true crime fans to the last and final episode of the Columbine Massacre. In the previous episode, we discussed the actual crime itself, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the aftermath of the attack and the mark it left on the community, so stay tuned. Disclaimer, this story is graphic and emotional. Within 13 minutes of the first 911 call, Klebold and Harris had already shot 12 students, a teacher, and wounded their peers before they ultimately turned their guns on themselves and shot themselves in the head. Eventually, SWAT teams had arrived 47 minutes after the initial shooting. And we all have to remember that this was the first time, or pretty much the first time, anything of this had happened in history in the 90s. So they didn't exactly have the best response to it. While it only took a short amount of time for the teens to commit a mass murder, it took three hours and 14 minutes for the police to find them. So just think about all these terrified parents and families just waiting for hours to find out if their children had died or not. During the chaos of the attack, the police responded in the best way that they could at the time. The SWAT team entered from the building from the farthest side of the school because they were unaware of renovations, so it took them a while to find the boys. No police rescuers arrived at the library until approximately 3.22, even though the first initial 911 call had been made from approximately 11.26 to 11.36. Dispatchers heard that the teacher, Dave Sanders, was extremely wounded and being kept alive by two Eagle Scouts in a science room. So just think about it, guys. Like, these are two kids that had to keep their teacher alive like bleeding out for hours and when the SWAT team finally reached him by 2:40, it took 20 to 30 minutes for paramedics to arrive but unfortunately by the time that they had arrived Dave Sanders had already passed away students fled the buildings in chaos and during this SWAT team searched the classrooms getting some kids out parents were frantic and in shock Some students fled to nearby houses and stayed there, and some ran as fast as they could, as far away as they could. After the attack, the school was in ruins. Forensic teams found out that, quote, Harris fired 121 rounds, 96 from his short-barreled rifle, 25 with a sawed-off shotgun, and Klebold fired 67 times, 55 with a Tech DC-9 assault pistol, and 12 with another sawed-off shotgun. While the community was heartbroken, memorials were made for the victims in 1999. People gathered around Rachel Scott's car and filled it with flowers and candles and things to create a more memorial for her. And finally, the memorial that was made in 1999 became open to the public on September 21st of 2007. So, with the hurt community, they wanted an answer for the motive for these attacks. Parents were angry. Rumors were spread that they targeted jocks or African Americans or Christians, and that violent video games were the cause, or that goth subculture was the culprit. But all of these claims have been rebuked in just 
figured out that they were just rumors that had been misconstrued by the media. So Dylan and Eric actually left behind a lot of journals and videotapes. They wanted people to know that they were responsible for this attack. They were not hiding it by any means. So the FBI concluded that the boys suffered from mental illness and that this was the ultimate quote-unquote motive. Harris was a quote clinical psychopath and Dylan was depressed. Supervisor of the investigation, Dr. Fusler, had said that in his journals, Klebold often talked about committing suicide and had suicidal thoughts. He didn't care if he died and he didn't care if anyone went down with him. He didn't care about much of anything. It was thought that Eric went to school to kill and he didn't care if he died as well. As well, he didn't care that others died. He just wanted destruction but he wanted her to be remembered for this destruction. So after all this destruction, students and adults tried to heal in the best way that they could. School let out and the students were out of school for a while. So Columbine ended up making a um, decision to go to another school, a neighboring school for half the day. So the school's original students went to the school for the first half and then Columbine went to school for the second half. There was an argument in which to open Columbine again. Many said that they should shut it down, that the place had too much suffering and that the kids shouldn't have to go through that. Others said that they should all rally as a community and they just went back and forth. Until the decision was made and many students decided that they wanted to come back. Counseling was open to all who needed it. Principal Frank DeAngelis did his best to put on a brave face for his students. He hosted many assemblies and led the We Are Columbine chant. So similar to the fact that we had pep rallies, they had pep rallies and they had all had this We Are Columbine chant and they would chant We Are Columbine. And I think that this is very empowering because it just shows how they all were able to overcome their fear and rally together after this. I also think it's important to note that I can't get into all the details about truly horrific this crime was and I almost feel like in this day and age we're desensitized to it but for a long time parents were angry and people were grieving and kids were struggling, kids were struggling with PTSD, 15 year olds. It's still a concept we struggle to understand today. A lot of parents thought that the parents of the two boys should be held responsible. And while both parents felt shame, nothing compared to the shame that Dylan's mom felt. She actually even went on a TED talk to talk about her experience. She was in shock that her kid could commit such a crime, as were the other parents. Um, she had actually said that if there was any warning signs of mental illness in Dylan, that she would have gotten him help right away. But on the other hand, there was clear evidence um, that was said to be left in the boys' rooms. Since then, many mass shootings have happened, and Columbine sparked a conversation on gun control. This is something, something that politicians still argue about to this day. We've all experienced Alice drills and lockdowns. 
not only did Columbine affect the Columbine community, but it also created a ripple effect. It's always been a question in people's minds if this incident is responsible for the numerous ones that followed. I actually had watched a documentary on Hulu called Columbine and it detailed former survivors. They are all emotionally affected by this tragedy, but all of them have one thing in common. They have gotten through their pain, down to the root of it, and are able to finally now live happily. So Columbine High School is still open to this day, and rather than let pain define the school, the community overcame it and rallied together and was able to make it a safe, healthy environment for everyone. To quote the documentary on Hulu, Columbine is a part of our past. So what about our past? It's not going to be part of our future. With that said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast on the Columbine Massacre.